Hello and welcome to the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. My name is Coop and I'll be your host. First, just want to give a huge shout out to DraftKings. Incredible to be partnering with them to bring you all information, data, and tools specific to Rainmakers. Excited about all the things we've already created, what's in the works, and what, what is going to be with the future of DraftKings Rainmakers. Okay, to kick us off, for this new show, I want to break down an updated weekly content schedule that you all will get from OTM going forward. Mondays, TJ and myself are going to be doing this show, the recap and preview show. We're going to focus on recapping the tournament that just completed over the weekend. This show is also going to be available on our YouTube channel, but in addition, the audio podcast format will be available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. This week, we're going to be covering the Masters this past weekend. And I mean, what an incredible weekend of golf that we had. You know, buckle up. It's probably going to be a good 50-50 split between Masters and RBC Heritage, which is the, the tournament that is coming up over the weekend, coming this, this upcoming weekend. Um, we're going to focus on this show, any sort of tidbits on Rainmakers Marketplace price movement, any other key tidbits, the field, any uh, players that we like. And, you know, from there, that will be the focus of what the upcoming tournament content will look like. And then Tuesday, you'll get a Rainmakers article from myself that will cover golf course, marketplace tidbits, upcoming pack drops, any plays that I like for the current week, any other relevant info related to tools and marketplace information and any sort of strategy pieces uh, that will cover that in the article and then Wednesday, going to be doing a solo show myself, focus on lineup building, and then any questions from the listeners, things like 1v1 golfers, who you might want to be looking to add to your portfolio, you know, really kind of any other questions that you guys have, want to make it conversational and back and forth between yourselves and myself as much as we can. That will be the content going forward specific to the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show. So without further ado... Let's get into it. As you guys can see, I have TJ here with me. TJ, I mean, what a Masters tournament. First, how you doing? What was your takeaways from the weekend? Awesome Masters weekend, as is always the case. John Rahm wins his first green jacket. If you all recall, John Rahm was my winner pick from last week. So I am now Two in a row. I had Corey Connors the week before, John Rahm last week. Unfortunately, it's not translating yet into personal Rainmakers or DraftKings DFS wins. But yeah, what a fun tournament. I feel like every uh, every storyline that you could have hoped for hit in one way or another. Brooks Kepka leading for the majority of the tournament. Of course, got all the live storylines there. Phil Mickelson making a late charge on Sunday, which I don't think is anything any of us would have predicted Unfortunately, had had Tiger withdrawing. He, he really looked in a ton of pain out there. So that, that was a, a sad thing to see. Jeez, well, I guess we're going to have to talk about Will Zalatoris. He really killed me with that the, the late withdrawal on Thursday. That was frustrating. But yeah, tons of stuff to talk about. But of course, John Rahm, the Masters champion, and uh, a very, very deserved win. Just playing pure golf out there just like doing all the things hitting all the shots but uh, going low when he needed to on the easy weather days surviving during the the crazy wind and rain and all of that and uh yeah i mean 
I think you and I have been been talking about how we think John Rahm is the best golfer in the world for the past year plus, and uh, I I will continue to feel that way because just when you get into these stronger field events, the the difficult courses, the difficult tournaments, Rahm always seems to rise to the top, and did so once again at Augusta this weekend. Yeah, Alpha on Alpha, Brooks Kepka v. John Rahm was one of the most spectacular weekend finales that I think you could have possibly got out of this Masters. You had the Live versus PGA Tour drama um, that was 30 holes where you know the weather meant that Sunday had to finish up Saturdays, the, the third round, and then Sunday at 2 p.m. kicked off Rahm versus Kepka. And man, what what drama it was. All right, let's start at the beginning though. Let's I want to rewind. Let's go to day one, Thursday, perfect weather, probably the best scoring conditions that you could possibly get at Augusta. They had previously got a lot of rain. Course was playing pretty soft. Greens were receptive. And man, people just went out and shot crazy numbers. Victor Hovland shot a 65. Uh, you know, Rom puts up a, a great first round number where he makes a double bogey four putt at hole number one. And then proceeds to go nine under in the next 17 holes. And really, you know, didn't really look back a ton from there. Um, but yeah, let's cover Zalatoris. So Zalatoris played the par three contest on Wednesday. Then Thursday, about five minutes before his tee time, said that he had back strain and he his back was really sore. He was warming up and his coach actually asked him, are you okay? And he said, no, frankly, I'm not okay. And that ultimately led to a conversation where they felt it was better for him, his health to withdraw completely. And since then, we, you know, this, this is Monday, you know, uh, April 10th, we got news that Zalatoris had surgery over the weekend. We'll miss the entire 23 PGA tour season. So uh, hopefully Zalatoris is able to get healthy. That back has been a challenge for him, but man, if we ever could have used some, PGA tour, uh, information related to injuries. It would have been this week. I was all over Zalatoris. I know you were as well thought he was, you know, pretty sneaky. And I guess he was sneaky, sneaky to not play any holes over the weekend. Really kind of bizarre because I don't think there was a ton of like discussion about him being hurt prior to this. Like you said, he played in the par three contest, all signs pointed towards there being no issues. And to to not only go from that to withdrawing from the tournament, but to to like just two days later, having it shut down for the season, really, really kind of bizarre. Uh, I'm sure we'll learn kind of more about that over the course of time. But yeah, not the best injury reporting from the golf and, and from the tour. So definitely frustrating there. Like we said, we, we were both on him. I think he was like 13 plus percent owned in, in quite a few DFS contests as well. So. Is what it is. Definitely a bummer. Definitely a bummer for Rainmaker's purposes because now those cards essentially become useless. I think we saw on our site that uh, Zalatoris had the, the largest 24-hour volume and, a, a, of course, a massive decrease in the price because, yeah, the, the, those cards are essentially just going to be burning a hole in our wallets from now on. So, yeah, bummer to see Zalatoris there. And, and you know, ho hopefully he is able to make a recovery because I think Will is really – a great player, obviously great ball striker. And, you know, I think it was only a matter of time before he starts locking up some wins, winning some majors. So hopefully we get a good recovery from him, but definitely unfortunate to see for golf in general and for our personal lineups.
Yeah, definitely the case. Like I said, hopefully he's able to get healthy in return. Golf is better with Will Zalatoris in the mix. Okay, so definitely golf is certainly better and definitely more dramatic with guys like Big Game Brooks in the mix. I want to cover Kepka's performance in the first two rounds because, I mean, Brooks Kepka looked infallible in the first two rounds of the masters granted he had the good side of the draw but he went low when he needed to go low he made one bogey over the the course of the first 36 holes i mean his play was phenomenal and i know you know there's a a lot to cover between live and the pga tour and brooks why did he go to live you could say whatever you want i think in general brooks has established himself as probably a top five majors player of all time. He just plays the majors so well. Yes, he had a blow up, a little bit of a blow up on Sunday, but man, I mean, the first 36, even the first 54 holes, he pretty much much looked like he was going to run away with it. Um, What did you think about Brooks Kepka's play and anything else to cover between, you know, any of his comments and, you know, any other things that he was in the mix for, including the penalty situation where looked like he had signaled to Gary Woodland, he and his caddy had signaled to Gary Woodland, what club they hit into the par five 15th thought that was a, a, an attention grabbing part of the masters, but in general after, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just interested in your thoughts on Brooks and, and everything Brooks related. Big game Brooks, like you said, definitely just someone that is certainly one of the most talented golfers in the world when he wants to be and when he wants to go out there and win. And, you know, I mean, he said it himself and we've seen it in the results. Like he just cares more when it's the majors. It's as simple as that. And I don't think that's necessarily correct. I think it's more, you know, it's better if you care every time you go out there and play, but definitely gets up for that kind of competitiveness of the majors. And it was fun to see. I think it was, it was great to to have him in the mix there. I think of anyone in the live having Brooks be the one that was out in front, I think made it most interesting for me, you know, relative to someone like Dustin Johnson, for, for example, Phil, of course made, made a run towards the end too. So, uh, but yeah, Brooks, Brooks is going to be Brooks. He's got the talent and, you know, think i saw some comments about him feeling healthy and feeling like his game is back and i i really do think that brooks going to to live like the timing was just like you know what he was hurt he wasn't playing his best golf he wasn't necessarily in that immediate moment competing like he had been at one time and i think he probably just took a realistic view at it and was like hey if i have you know there's no guarantee that I'm going to get back healthy and no guarantee that I'm going to get back competing with the likes of Rom and Scheffler and the, and these guys I want to, but I have this chance to make a ton of money while eliminating that risk. And, and I'm going to take it. And uh, you know, I think he, he made some comments that that kind of alluded to that. So we'll see uh, what, what, what happens in the future with Brooks, but I think it's someone that we're going to see four times a year at the majors. And I think we're going to see him, on top of the leaderboards when he's at the majors. So yeah, I, I think the, the Brooks Rom Sunday final pairing, if I, if I could have drawn up a final pairing before the masters, like that honestly probably would have been it. So it was, it was fun to watch and uh, yeah, Bro- Brooks can still play golf. Well, no doubt about that. No matter how you look at it, I think what what we got on Sunday was a top three outcome for, for this masters. Uh, I want to cover some other historic elements of this masters. I thought, you know, one Brooks Kepka, if he had won, 
yesterday would have secured the third leg of his career grand slam. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Uh, Only five players in the game in total ever to have the career grand slam. We have three players playing actively in pursuit of the career grand slam Rory at the masters, Phil Mickelson at the U S open and Jordan Spieth at the PGA championship. Adding Brooks Kepka to that list, I thought would have been incredibly good for golf, especially good for major golf when everyone is paying attention. Um, you know, people want to see people run down the career grand slam. I think that's incredibly interesting. Uh, shout out to uh, to me and my pick, Rory. We we didn't play the weekend. I think Rory is another interesting storyline we can cover quickly here. I mean. Maybe there's just too much pressure on Rory at the Masters. Maybe he just applies too much pressure to himself. He's doing a lot of things off the course. He's trying to hold the PGA Tour together. And this is probably the one tournament, if I would guess, that he wants to win the most. His game seems to be set up for it. But he has been pretty atrocious at the masters in the first couple of rounds for three to four years now consistently he can't get out of the first round uh and it was just really tough to watch on uh friday when the weather wasn't as good granted he had a little bit of an interesting kind of draw but you know there were guys going low and rory has the ability to go low when he wants to and when he can It, it just wasn't his his year for sure and i think it's an interesting thing to think about going forward any hot takes on rory and and why he can't seem to get it done at the masters I think there's certainly an element of of his mind is on a lot of different things. And for most of the golfers on tour, when they show up to a golf tournament, they are just there to play golf and they don't have any other responsibilities or any other expectations of why they are there. I I don't think that's the case with Rory. I think there's a lot more going on. I think, you know, it's about more than just him and about him hitting his golf shots. I mean, he's literally in the first round wearing an earpiece, like talking to people as he's walking up the fairway. Like that is just, I don't know. You, you can't, I don't care how good you are. That's going to be a distraction. And even if it only impacts your game slightly, like, I think that's just the facts of the matter. You know, we'll still see him win some more golf tournaments, but yeah, there's has to just be a lot of, a lot of pressure on him, a lot of different factors and definitely a bummer to see both him and, and Justin Com- Thomas not make the cut. Justin Thomas with that Saturday meltdown. I think he was like, had to what play eight holes and, and went plus six or something in them to miss the cut. So two of the bigger names in golf and two of the most recognizable names in golf, not making it to the weekend. And again, two guys that are are very involved with the PGA tour and Justin Thomas, I feel like certainly not to the extent of Rory, but another guy that, you know, you see him doing some commentary stuff and on social media. So I think these guys are doing a, a great job to grow the game beyond just themselves, but can't help but think that it's impacting their personal play and kind of, you know, they're forced to split their focus among a couple of different things. Whereas someone like John Rahm is just focused on golf and golf only. So uh, yeah, I'd say that's my, my take there. Hopefully we see Rory with a balance. He, he's not playing this coming weekend, right? I think he, he withdrew from the event. Yeah, we'll cover that. He did withdraw. I'm not shocked to to hear that he is withdrawn. Um, yeah, a lot of guys are seemingly withdrawing, even though it's an elevated event. Field is still pretty stacked. A uh, couple couple more tidbits on the Masters. I want to cover Jordan and Phil that pairing on Sunday because I mean, what a Sunday surge! Phil showed that this man can still hit the most incredible golf shots goes minus seven 
on Sunday, was minus one to start the day, finishes T2 with Brooks at the Masters. And I think we're going to look back at Phil Mickelson in the T2 position next year and wonder how the hell did that happen? I mean, just incredible golf on Sunday between Jordan and Phil. Jordan Spieth, a guy that continues to hit the ball all over the course. And it showed you that at Augusta, you certainly can hit it all over the place. And he was in the trees. He was hitting shots from all over the place. But when you can putt and you can chip around the green, and when Jordan Spieth is on, he's one of the best in the game at that, you can make numbers. Made nine birdies, uh, which I think was uh, only done ten, ten, nine other times, I believe. Uh, nine birdies in a single round at the Masters. I thought those guys charging up the leaderboard was really fun. It made Sunday fun. Jordan was quoted to say, I didn't look at the leaderboard until 15. So he didn't even really know that, you know, he was in contention essentially uh, just assumed that Rom and uh, Brooks would have been making some birdies and then took a look and said, Holy heck, we're right. We're right there. Uh, he said he was just basically trying to match Phil shot for shot. Uh, those two together on Sunday were definitely the best pairing in terms of performance on the golf course and, and output um, thought that was unique and entertaining and two guys who have some of the biggest names in golf uh, together and going at it head to head and playing really, really, really fun golf to watch. Two guys that can, can certainly hit golf shots, but they don't make it easy on themselves. They, yeah. I mean, the, at one point Jordan Woods was, or Jordan was literally like in the woods having to chip out and you know that that's just kind of par for the course when it comes to the way that Spieth and Mickelson play golf but man when they get going they can can make some incredible shots they can roll in some incredible putts so I think it's it's you know s similar to what we say with some of these other guys golf's better when when Spieth is in the mix when Mickelson is in the mix uh obviously not not two guys that are relevant for the Rainmakers game specifically but elevates events when when they're on our tvs and and making noise and uh yeah the phil thing i, I still am just like shocked shooting a 31 on the back truly incredible and it was fun to see him how excited he was on 18 when he rolled in that putt and uh yeah i, I just i i always have liked phil i know that it's been a rough like two years for him but my personal view on phil is that I mean, he, he he made a big difference with the PGA Tour. And I think, you know, look at this upcoming event. We've got RBC Heritage, an elevated event. A bunch of the big names are playing. That doesn't happen if Phil doesn't do what he did with Liv and kind of force the PGA Tour's hand in responding there. So Phil will, will always be, in my opinion, the, the second biggest name in golf behind Tiger. And fun to see him and Jordan out there shooting low and having a good time at Augusta on a Sunday. I think it was a nice little additional storyline on top of the Brooks Rom pairing. Yeah. I'll only add one tidbit to the narrative of Phil live. I think everything that Phil Mickelson did was really aimed at growing the game was really aimed at trying to make golf better. Sure. There was money involved. Sure, there was things in Phil's past that can't be forgotten. But based on what we've seen and based on the play of the live players at the Masters and based on how the PGA Tour has responded with these elevated events, 
This change is a good change for golf. This change is meaningful, getting the best players, the most known players on the course together, battling it out matters and matters to the public consumer of golf because almost, you know, I have to go imagine that there's a 50 to 75% increase in golf viewers for a competition like the masters, obviously from brand recognition, but because of the best players playing in the masters, if we got, you know, um, two lesser known guys, you know, not, not to, not to, to harp on Victor Hovland or even a guy like, you know, Xander Schauffele, but if you had Victor Hovland and Xander Schauffele at the top of the masters, they don't garner anywhere near the amount of attention that somebody like Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, you know, any of those guys garner. And I think people are more interested in, the big names competing against each other. And that's what we're getting right now for the majors. Um, I, I think that is, is really important. And, and secondly, I'll say it was just fun to see Phil back in the mix, being happy, flashing the old thumbs up, uh, smiling. I mean, he looks way, 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 way different than he ever looked before. Clearly has lost some weight. Clearly a lot of mental has, you know, has been going on uh, a lot of, a mental journey, if you will, uh, for what this has brought on to him and his life. And at 52 years old, he could have very easily not said anything, just gone and taken the money and, you know, done it. But I think he really does do it for the sake of the game, making the game better and couldn't be happier for a guy like Phil, who he, that fist bump, that putt mean meant a lot to him on 18. Um, and, and it was fun to see him knock that in there and, and BT too. I think we'll look back on that and say, how did that happen? And wow, Phil still has game left. Okay. Um, last thing, let, let's cover tiger, uh, tiger quickly, you know, 23 now made cuts. You, you covered it. Shout out to his buddy, JT, Justin Thomas <laughs> by himself, moved the cut line from plus two to plus three tiger bogeyed the 18th hole to go to get to plus three. JT then goes double bogeys. Uh, 17 and bogeys 18 to get to plus four he misses the cut moves the cut to plus three and tiger gets in that's now 23 consecutive made cuts for tiger at the masters he's never missed a cut in his professional career at the masters pretty insane you know add that to the list of insane tiger stats uh get we'll get a chance next year to break the record uh couples and um couples and somebody else has 23 as well i can't remember who does off the top of my head but couples and somebody else has 23 made cuts uh tiger will get a chance to break that record next year if in fact we see him but man i'm starting to question it i've thought once tiger came back once i saw him at the genesis i knew he would play the masters i i was thinking we still have a couple more years of watching tiger but man, it was really tough to see him in the hard weather and struggling around the course as he was on Sunday morning. Uh, it was quite clear that there might not be too many more professional tournaments for Tiger Woods. Uh, interested in your take there and what else you saw from Tiger that intrigued you? Yeah, it's really feeling like the end is near. That one video of him just, I mean, it looked like he could literally barely walk out there and he just looked like he was not having fun. I mean, you know, he he's hobbling around. It's freezing cold. It's raining. It's a really hard golf course. Just didn't look like he was enjoying being out there. And uh, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if 
if the end of Tiger is unfortunately near or, you know, maybe we see him taking another year or two off and then he tries to come back again in two years, but he also might just be sick of that cycle, right? I mean, you think about Tiger the past like decade, it's been kind of two years on, two years off, two years on, two years off. And eventually he might just look in the mirror and be like, you know what? Uh, I got to <laughs> gotta really think about where, where I'm at here and where my body is at and make the hard decision. So we'll see, not going to speculate too, too much. And I don't think that we've really seen any update other than the, the very brief statement that he released, but yeah, it's a shame. Tiger will always have his place in golf history and uh, Hey, maybe he'll, he'll put his focus more towards the, the, what, what is it? The TGL that they have coming up with him and, and Rory and, and all of those guys. So I, I think we'll, we'll definitely see Tiger around the game of golf. There's no doubt about that. And maybe we see some more formats like the match and things of that nature. But are we going to continue to consistently see Tiger competing in majors and other PGA Tour tournaments? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And uh, that makes me sad because Tiger is uh, always a pleasure to have out there and uh, always bring some more interest to to the world of golf that is just not there if Tiger's not in the mix. And, and that's simply a fact. Yeah, well said. I think the TGL is interesting. His role as sort of elder statesman on the PGA Tour, his brand name recognition and what he could do for younger kids who are now sort of getting into the game. Pop stroke is stuff that Tiger's involved in. I mean, he clearly is pushing to continue to market golf and to bring awareness to the game of golf, but it may be um, the end of Tiger competing at the upper echelon of the game of golf and shout out to him. The re some of the reason why that's the case is because golfers are now athletes. Golfers are in the gym every day and working on their game and, you know, looking at every element of their game to get better. The game has never been, you know, harder to break into than it, than it is nowadays. But, um, and shout out to Tiger for inspiring, you know, multiple generations of, you know, younger, uh, younger people to want to play golf and play golf at the upper level. So yeah, going to be interesting to see what happens going forward, but no matter what makes a cut, doesn't finish on the weekend, but gets a chance to keep his streak alive at the Masters. And yeah, what a memorable, memorable Masters it was. Again, shout out to John Rahm. Um, Sunday just played flawless, puts the green jacket on. I think another interesting element here is Scotty Scheffler puts the green jacket on John Rahm. I'm very, very clearly at this point are far and away the best two players on the PGA tour right now, there is a gap and that gap right now is only widening, not shrinking, uh, not being shrunk by other players on the PGA tour. It is going to be a heck of a season watching those two continue to battle it out. And it's a perfect segue into the RBC heritage this week, which is at Harbor town golf course. Couldn't be a more different golf course, uh, this week than the masters shorter course, uh, needing to hit fairways uh, or needing to at least control your ball and hit your ball into the spots that you need to hit it to. It's definitely a ball strikers course. It is a target golf course because of how short it is. And it is a around the green and putting style golf course where you do your damage. Um, it is an upper or sorry, an elevated event. So we get a very, very stacked field. We'll see if the likes of Rom 
and Scheffler will be there. They sit above uh, at the top of the odds board. Rom uh, plus seven fifty. Scotty plus eight hundred drops down to Cantlay at plus eleven hundred. I think it will be a pretty big Patrick Cantlay week. His history here is pretty impeccable. I think he'll be pretty popular. Although in Rainmakers, if you're holding any of these gar- cards at the top, I think what we've learned is you're plugging that into the captain spot. You're rooting for that guy to go out and play the best golf that he can possibly play. And then you're trying to look at your fourth and fifth spot and saying, how do I one get different or two happen to hit the guy that chases up into the top three that, you know, gives the leader a run that gets into the top 10, because that's really what rainmakers is coming down to in terms of winning some of these tournaments, needing to have not just the winner and not just the winner in your captain spot, but needing to have the second or third place guy, a couple of guys in the top 10 littered around the top of the leaderboard in order to be successful in rainmakers. So um, going to be a really fun event. It, very different golf course should be um, should sh- should be quite interesting to watch. The only time we've seen this good of a field at the Heritage was in 2020 when sort of the elevated events or the designated events at that point in time on the tour moved around. So it was it was a pretty stacked field then. But you saw guys like Webb Simpson, like Cantlay, like Abe Answer, who weren't really, you know, top tier or top known guys, then you'll do really well at this course. So I think this course, um, it, it fits a specific type golfer. Um, and maybe the, maybe the top guys get run down by an unlikely candidate this week. And we've got another deluxe prize pool for Rainmakers this week. So 350K. Up for grabs, 100K of that in the core and rare contest, and then 250K going to the Elite and Rainmaker. Coop already rattled off another elevated event here. Lots of the, the top players in the world are are in. Would not be surprised if we see another couple withdrawals in the next like 24 hours here. So definitely be keeping an eye on that. But as of now, we've got John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Cantlay, Hovland, Morikawa, Xander, Finau, Cam Young, Homa, Justin Thomas. Funny how Justin Thomas is uh, really starting to creep down the odds boards, right? Like there was a time where if JT was playing, he was he was in that top three or four guys, but he's kind of seeing himself fall more into that Cam Young, Max Homa type range. But yeah, certainly a, a strong field event. Lots of different options to play in your lineups from a Rainmakers perspective. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun to to have these elevated events now with, with all of these guys playing at some courses and in some tournaments that they typically wouldn't play. I definitely think there's a, a an element of the masters hangover here. Um, so, but, but, but as Coop was saying that, that really applies more to DFS type of stuff, right? Where it's like, Oh, well, if I want to play Rahm or Scheffler, I have to spend more of my salary. It doesn't work that way in Rainmakers. So it's like, even if I think that, you know, Rom is not going to be the most motivated he's ever been to play this weekend. I'll still take him over over anyone when there's no, no cost at it, right? Like if you own a John Rom card, you're simply playing John Rom, and you're like Coop said, you're you're most likely playing him in the captain as well. Can't lay with that history there. That was another storyline at the Masters this weekend, especially on Sunday, was the slow play of Patrick Cantlay. I can't really remember a time ever seeing the leaders waiting on the tee multiple times on a Sunday. So that, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm not going to like factor. I, I saw someone in chat asking, I'm not going to factor in like, 
Uh, I don't want to play people when they're with Cantlay because of the slow play. Like, yeah, Brooks looked super annoyed by it, but it's not, there's no way it's actually impacting his play in my opinion. Right. Um, yeah. And he, he, although it would have been, it would be funny to see Brooks and Cantlay play together because Brooks like literally just walks up to his ball and hits it every time. And Cantlay is just out there grinding over every single little thing. So that, that was just another funny narrative there from this weekend, but yeah, strong field at the, the RBC heritage. And uh, do we have contests posted yet? I, I don't know. I looked earlier this morning, contests weren't up, but again, we've got the same prize pool that we had last week, plenty of, of cash up for grabs and looking forward to, to another fun week of rainmakers. Yeah. I love the can't call out on, on can't lay. Cantlay is just a slow player in general on the PGA tour. And in these events, as you know, a golfer, you're as a pro golfer, you're expecting to play a pretty slow round in general. And I don't think there's really much into it, it impacting their play. It didn't impact John Rom. I can tell you that. So if it did impact Brooks Kepka and it, um, it ended up being the case where that would impact him in the future. I think you see more guys play like that. You see more guys push the envelope there because it's a mental, it's a mental part of the game that I'm in my zone. Yeah. I play slow, but, the PGA tour doesn't enforce it. The majors really don't enforce those rules. And inevitably you're going to be behind some guys that are slow. One other storyline I actually want to hit you. You brought this up. That made me think about it. Sam Bennett, incredible, incredible performance from an amateur at Augusta. Sam, not the fastest player either. Um, but you know, to be up there near the top of the leaderboard as an amateur was awesome. So I, I did what, just want to shout out uh, that amateur performance from Sam. But switching gears back to RBC, a couple of notes related to Rainmakers, a couple of important pieces of information. One, it's an elevated event. And because of the elevated event and because of it being a very, very high prize pool, $20 million in the prize pool for the players, um, that means that everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to play these elevated events. So there's 147 golfers that were signed up to play this event. That's the max number of golfers that will play uh, a PGA tour event. Unless the withdraws get down under 132 players, we will not see any additions at this, at this tournament. It is because to play the tournament, you need to have a specific status on the PGA tour. Therefore, they're not going to add, you know, just random golfers that are right outside all the way to the full number of 147. So I highly doubt that we get all the way down to 132. That would be like 15 plus withdraws. Maybe we get five at, at most, I would think. But, um, the likes of these guys that didn't win the tournament are going to want to get back out there and get back out there when it's a $20 million purse to get that back out there for. Um, so I think that's an interesting tidbit. I also think 140 plus golfers in field versus the master's field where we only had 52 rainmakers golfers is going to be vastly different from a contest selection standpoint. You're going to see way more entries. You're going to need to beat way more people. I think we have seen DraftKings start to play with the prize pools a little bit for these bigger events and extend out how many places are getting paid. So look for that in your contest. They may not run the exact same uh, structure and payout structure out for this week. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, continue to look at 
pack party versus guaranteed uh, money versus, you know, some of these other contests, single entry that are out there, because I think contest selection continues to be an interesting element of DraftKings Rainmakers and is one that can be exploited. As an example, I played in the elite contests for the masters i had the ability to enter two teams my second team was not very strong i decided to put it in the elite uh in the elite pack party contest i had two guys miss the cut and then tiger woods withdraw and i still made the cash line to get an elite elite pack party prize uh that goes to show you that you know, and, and in those packs, you can still rip open a John Rahm, a Scotty Scheffler, a top 10 player and, you know, play them in your teams or try to cash them in on the marketplace for winnings. So I, I do think it's very important to take a look at contest entry details and coming up with a strategy for your lineups, the ceilings that your lineups have and the ability then to try to make the smartest play that you can make in these contests. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been taking my worst lineups each week and throwing those into the pack parties. And it's uh, it's been pretty fruitful. I know a bunch of people in the Discord have been doing the same as well. We also will have another pack set of packs dropping from DraftKings tomorrow. So Tuesday, the 11th, similar to, to last week's packs. It's going to be all players that are in this upcoming field. And then if anybody has not seen it on the website, so you can head on over to otmnft.com slash Rainmakers Pro. We added a quite a few new tools over the weekend, including a, a bunch of stuff with the packs. So you can now go onto the website, and once these packs become available, and we know the contests, you'll be contents in them. You'll be able to see their expected value. You'll be able to see what percentage of the packs have been opened, and then the expected value on the unopened packs based on the actual contents that still remain. So that's pretty cool to see. You can go in and you can see exactly how many Scotty Scheffler rares remain out there and what is the percent chance of getting a Scotty Scheffler rare in the next pack that gets opened. We also have the pack opening simulator. So you can literally hit a button and get a, a mock pack with the exact, again, the contents that remain. So you can get a feel for like, what's the range of outcomes that you're looking at here uh, what, what's the low end of each pack type look like? What's the high end look like? So definitely check that out on the OTM website. In addition to the new sniper tool that we also released where you can see live in real time, all of the listings that are popping up for DraftKings, Rainmakers, PGA Tour, filter by whatever players or, or, or different other characteristics that you're looking for, and really use that to, to help you with your Rainmaker shopping experience. So again, check out those Rainmakers Pro Tools otmnft.com slash rainmakers pro and uh, we're going to continue adding different elements there over the coming weeks and uh, I know that we will also Coop will be back on on Wednesday doing a bit more of a marketplace and lineup builder deep dive using the tools and doing some screen sharing on YouTube so make sure you check that out on the YouTube channel this coming Wednesday that's own the moment on YouTube 
Yeah, very well said. Packs are going to continue to be fun over the course of the next four weeks. The price has been reduced at the elite and legendary levels uh, from the Masters packs because it was such a strong field. It was such a high uh, chance to get a really, really strong golfer. So packs prices have been reduced. $24.99 still for rare packs. Uh, I believe it's $249.99 for elite packs. And I'm not exactly sure of legendary pack pricing, but you can cover, you can take a look at my strategy article that will come out tomorrow i'll cover all the details on the the upcoming approach packs for this week shout out to neil look take a look at that pack detail information including live ev calculation as packs are being purchased and then opened i think that tool is really important and should guide some of your buying uh decisions and even you know initial pack purchases decisions for rainmakers and what your collection looks like um yeah that that i think i think we we covered it um really really fun tournament in the masters another strong field coming up in the RBC, we will be, I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll get the show. I'm going to try to get the Wednesday show up on uh, Tuesday morning. And that way you all, as you have questions, comments, lineup decisions, you're able to kind of just come into the YouTube show, put any questions that you have in the chat. And then on Wednesday, I will go through each and every one of those, uh, go through the teams that I've built, who I'm thinking about, um, who I think some of the players that are interesting, uh, you know, to, to take a look at, I think one player I'll give on the Monday show here. That's going to be interesting is JT Poston. JT Poston has really, really strong course history here. He's pretty affordable, uh, in terms of, you know, a player that you could play at rare at elite at different levels, even at core. I think he's pretty affordable to add to your collection and get into your lineup as someone who has uh, some upside in this tournament based on history. All that said, this show will be available as as I said in the beginning on YouTube, on the in the Apple Podcast Store, in, on Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcast. We'll continue to make the Monday show really focused on the recap and the preview and make it available in podcast stores. Uh, so take a look for all of these to find your podcast feed very shortly. TJ, any final words for the people so that we can wrap this up? Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Like the stream. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching this back, leave a comment with who you think is going to be your winner. I'm going I'm going with Cameron Young this week. I feel like Cameron Young is due. And, you know, one, one of these weeks, he's going to get his first win. Uh, guy that can just make a ton of birdies out there. And I, I think we're going to see more i mean i was gonna say more of a middling golfer win this week he's he's really uh in in my mind he's still technically a middling one but he's really working his way up towards the top of the board but i like cam young a lot this week uh mark him down as someone that you're keeping an eye on and uh we'll, we'll see you back on wednesday can tj keep the heater going two weeks in a row he gives back-to-back -back winners Corey connors and then john rom this week he's all over the young the mighty mr cam young excited for wednesday's show i'll give more of my insights on wednesday who i like who we're looking at and i'll give my winner on wednesday i need to process some more information i can't just spit out winners i mean i gave out rory this past week so i need a redeem i need i need a redeeming week here uh to 
to keep up with TJ for those of you keeping score at home. All right, that'll do it for the Monday recap and preview show. Excited for the next several weeks of golf. Look for the strategy article tomorrow. I'll see you all at the Wednesday show. And until then, head over to otmnft.com, link up your DraftKings account, take a look at your collection, and uh, hang out on that sniper to get the best deals over there. Until Wednesday, I'll talk to you guys all later.